All right, let's get the party started. So today, 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 I wanted to record a training uh, talking about how to buy historical NFTs. Some things that I've learned, uh, you know, I've made several mistakes, I've had wins, and I want to share all of that with you guys. And uh, in this one specifically, I want to talk about historical NFTs. If you still don't know, I'm very, very bullish about historical NFTs. Um, I believe it's one of the safest, quote unquote, safest categories in NFTs because there's a very limited and scarce supply and it's just human behavior to want to collect old stuff. Uh, in the real world, right, we like to collect old stuff that is physical, right? Like I recently saw this, um, uh, this rock uh, that went, um, that was auctioned in Sotheby's and it's like a black diamond that was that's supposed to be like a billion years old and it went for like four or five million euros or something like that and this is just one example but people also like to collect fossils and dinosaur bones and and paintings and um, egyptian artifacts and all these things it's just fascinating and it's i believe it's it's human behavior uh, at this point and this human behavior behavior is reflected in different um in different uh places in different categories, right? So human behavior is reflected in art, human behavior is reflected in maybe uh, archaeology, right? Human behavior is reflected maybe like in space, like rocks and minerals and things like that. And I believe it's also going to be reflected in uh, in digital ownership, right? Because just like a physical artifact, that, feel, that feeling of ownership, oh my god, I'm the owner of this, that feeling, that emotion, you you also get that with NFTs, right? Like for me, um, I've purchased, you know, properties, right? Like like real estate. And the feeling of ownership is awesome. It's like, oh my God, I'm the owner of this apartment or this property, right? And then when I buy an NFT, I'm also like, oh my God, I'm the owner of this thing. Like it creates the same feeling in my in my mind, right? I don't know if the chemical reaction is similar or something. Uh, but I think that uh, human behavior, people like to collect old stuff. It, it, they feel important. It has a story to tell. Um, it's really cool when you can go to your friends and tell like the story of this thing that you own that has significance. So I'm very, very bullish about historical NFTs. I think uh, they're going to be one of the best performing categories long term. Um, maybe they're going to be slow uh, short term, but I want to record a video showing you like how I would go uh, in about buying my first historical. So we're going to do screen sharing. And uh, yeah, as always, if you found this helpful, uh, just share it with someone. Uh, these are not very edited videos, but I, I'm going to try to bring as much value uh, as possible. So uh, in here, I'm not going to tell you so much about like why historicals. I'm going to do that over time. I'm just going to show you like what I would do. Okay. Number one, if you're very, very new uh, in this segment, then what you want to do is you want to follow people that are involved in um, in this space. And here is a list of people that someone made a comment on, on one of my uh, tweets. So basically, all of these guys... Um, have mentioned historical NFTs. Uh, some of them don't really talk about them much. Uh, like, for example, some of these guys talk about crypto and NFTs in general, but there's some here that talk a lot about historicals. Like, for example, uh, we like JPEGs. Um, this guy talks a lot about historical NFTs, like Mercurio cards, uh, Rare Pepes, Spells of Genesis, uh, Sarutobi, uh, all of this. He's really into historicals. Um, then I know Adam. Um, McBride is very into historicals. He's like one of the top uh, historical, let's say, profiles that people follow. Leonidas as well. Both of them are some of the um, 
you know, most well-known guys that I would suggest you follow, uh, W Rabbit, uh, 1111, right? NFT archaeologist and collector. So another one. So be sure to follow these profiles and start just take checking their posts, going, go to Twitter, create a separate Twitter account just for NFTs and follow these guys and then just start learning, go through their posts, go through their history as well in Twitter. Okay. So you first got to be informed by following the right people. Let's say now that you, you did that, uh, we want to take a look at the different NFT uh, collections. So Leonidas created a very, very good timeline, uh, where basically if you go to his profile, you will see his pin post. It's going to be, uh, um, the definitive, definitive timeline of early NFTs on Ethereum. So this is for Ethereum. Uh, remember that before Ethereum, uh, there's some NFTs that were created in, in uh, other places like uh, Bitcoin uh, NFTs, Namecoin NFTs. These are really freaking old, 2011, 2013, 2014. Um, so keep in mind that this is not the final list of historical NFTs. This is just on Ethereum. And in fact, in here, uh, some, are, some are missing. Uh, I believe it has not been fully updated. Like, for example, uh, I think... Uh, did they update this with crypto skulls? Crypto skulls is not here. But anyways, you will see the list. And what you gotta do is you gotta go like one by one and, and check out different historical NFTs and study their significance, right? I'm gonna tell you some of the most popular ones here. Um, the ones that are spoke, um, that people talk more about. And, um, but it doesn't mean that those are the best. So the most common ones are uh, pixel map, uh, my curio cards, first art NFT, in Ethereum, uh, CryptoPunks, first avatar NFT in Ethereum that started like the, the movement. Um, Etherrock, very, very well known, uh, 100 um, supply. And, uh, you know, they're famous for being so freaking expensive. They don't do anything. It's just literally a, a picture of a rock, no utility, no nothing. Uh, Realms of Ether is starting to get really well known. One of my favorite picks um, that I believe has huge potential, very scarce supply, uh, created three days after Etherrock. Um, in the bottom here, we have, um, you know, people have been talking about V1 CryptoPunks and not so into them. Uh, Mooncats, very, very popular. CryptoKitties, um, CryptoBots, then EtherTulips, CryptoCards. Uh, what else? I'm not really so much like into CryptoTulips. Uh, EtherLambos, people talk a lot about that. Um, I like Suesquares, but it's not being talked about a lot. Um, what else? Crypto crystals, um, crypto arte. What else? Okay. As, as I said, I'm just going through this list, uh, plasma bears lately, autoglyphs. So I'm going through this list, uh, telling you the ones that I hear the most frequently on Twitter and that I believe have like the most, um, that people talk about the most, right? Uh, all the other ones, you can explore them. Uh, I, I think I mentioned crypto crystals as well. You can explore the other ones for sure, right? Uh, so those that I said are, you know, you can make a list and start looking into them. Now, here's the thing that I want to, this is like the main content that I want to share in this video. The, the main content in this video, number one, don't buy everything I'm talking about here. Like I'm not even telling you to buy anything in this video, right? This video is just for education. So you kind of like see my thought process when it comes to this specific historical NFTs. Um, and uh, yeah. So what I want to tell you here is that historical NFTs is still a very, it's still a pretty illiquid uh, category within the NFT space. What do I mean by illiquid? It means that 
there's not insane volume attacking it, right? Like, like for example, in, in play to earn or a metaverse, when the volume picks up, it's like, oh my God, like so much money goes in so fast. The FOMO is so, so real. Um, and it's just another level, right? It's another level for the new stuff, right? When, when a new collection, uh, appears like MFers or something like that, or, or doodles or NFT worlds, um, which I created a, a video about it in the, in the, um, I'm also like into new stuff. So this new stuff has a lot of volume, a lot of liquidity when it picks up, but the historical NFTs, even when they have volume, they, they are not like uh, a super liquid category because at this point they're still, they are still, um, undiscovered, right? Like people, it, it's, people are chasing the shiny object, right? People are chasing the shiny object and, um, and what this means is uh, the shiny objects are the new things that are coming out every single day because people want to make money fast, right? That's just human behavior again. I've seen this on internet marketing, all the different business models. People want results fast. They don't want to like buy something and wait three years typically, right? That's a very, it's a smaller group of people. So, uh, which means that these historical NFTs that I'm mentioning over here, they, they don't have a lot of uh, liquidity in general because the attention is in other places that are more fun, more exciting. They go up faster. They're more volatile. But in in historical or not more volatile, but they they move. They have like more um, more volume. Uh, but this historical NFTs for me is is you know something that you buy and then you just hold and you wait for people to realize that these assets are very very scarce. No one can go back in time and buy more. So. Even something like CryptoPunks, right? Okay, CryptoPunks, of course, it has a lot of like volume in general, but they are, you don't, you don't see a lot of like frequency. Like for example, uh, right now they are not doing much, right? They're just like there. If you take a look at the, at the last sales in CryptoPunks, five, six hours, 16, 16, 19, 19, 19, 20. So we don't, we don't have like hundreds of sales, like many collections. Um, and what I want to say in this video, and sorry, I'm taking so much, so long to, to get to this because I'm just creating context here is that you can get these historical NFT assets at a great price under the floor. If they are in a moment where people are not paying attention to them and you send offers under the floor. All right. Here's a perfect example. I think it's still around. If we go to my Curio cards, this is a, a great project in my opinion. Like for me, it's, it's so, so significant. First art NFT project on Ethereum. Um, many of these cards, this is the floor, right? You see the floor? Okay. But sellers are, are willing to sell this for a lower price if they get an offer, right? I, I know this because I've seen this so many, so many times. Um, take a look at this card. Clay. The floor is 1.95. Okay. So one could say, one clay card is worth, let's say two ETH. It's worth two ETH. That's the value. Okay. So if I have a clay card, I have two ETH worth of value. The thing is there's seller will, sellers willing to take this, uh, take an offer of one ETH. That's literally one half of the floor. So yes, this is the public floor, but you don't know how much a seller is willing to take, um, because they're looking for liquidity in times of illiquidity. All right. So when there are, when there is illiquidity in general, in a specific segment in the NFT space, especially historical NFTs, you can send offers drastically under the floor and get them at a great price. Why? Because if there is a lot of liquidity and, and just constant sales, constant sales, you know that you will sell in the floor price. Okay. 
if the floor is 1 ETH, you know that you will sell at 1 ETH, okay? So if they offer you 0.8, why are you going to sell if you can easily sell at 1? There's a lot of liquidity, a lot of buyers. But if there's not a lot of buyers, a lot of people interested in buying stuff, then you, you are like, oh my god, the floor is 1 ETH, but someone sent an, an offer for 0.7, but I need the money, and it could be my last opportunity this week or in the next two weeks. I don't want to keep holding this asset for two weeks. I'll just take the 0.7. And this is what happens in a lot of historical NFTs because they are undiscovered. They're so, they're very, very significant, but they're undiscovered. You can get them at great prices. So what you do is you take a look at an asset like this, 1.95, 1.95. You send an offer for one. It might not get accepted. Maybe, right? Uh, but you can send it for one, uh, an offer for 1.1 and then it gets accepted. Or if it doesn't get accepted, 1.2, 1.3, 1.4. And the goal is to get this at a very, very low price. Okay. And if you get them at a very, very low price, you minimize risk, you maximize upside. And, and yeah, you just maximize how much money you can make, right? This is a very safe way, quote unquote, safe way to invest in NFTs for new people. Because what new people do, and, and this is also like what happened to me is like, they get into NFTs and they see the, the new cat minting, right? Oh my God, FOMO, it's going to the moon, let's buy. Boop, boop, goes down. It never comes back, right? And no one cares about it in the next five months, right? It disappears. That's what most people do. It's FOMO, it's emotion, it's hype, it's making money fast. What you want to do is very strategic about the NFTs that you buy and, and the strategy that you use. So what you do is you look at assets that are not going to go to zero, that have a strong thesis about not going to zero because... You want to be able to sleep at night and think long-term. And you cannot think long-term if something has a high chance of going to zero, right? So historical NFTs offer that, uh, give you that, let's say, proposition. And uh, you look into those and then in times of illiquidity, send offers under the floor, get them at great prices and then hold them for the long-term. For example, in this case for Clay, this guy that bought at 1ETH, let's go take a look at the activity. This guy that bought at 1ETH, it doesn't freaking matter. And by the way, what the hell? Price uh, listing. Hmm. What's up with this? I think, is this? Is this a glitch? Something's weird. I don't know if it's OpenSea, but uh, as you said, it said 1.9. And in here it says 4.8. <laughs> I don't think this is correct. Anyways, basically this guy that bought at 1 ETH, this, the floor could go from 2 ETH to 1.5. It can drop drastically this guy doesn't give a crap he got it at one it can go down to 1.2 he this guy is still in profit right technically and he can or um if the if the floor is two ETH and he got it at one he could go and list for 1.5 and make a 0.5 ETH profit and then rinse and repeat right and keep growing your ETH that way if you want to do the flipping game Right, so this is for my curio cards. I think this is a mega clear example. Something I also want to say in, in, in for this specific collection is that the more liquid cards, the cheaper ones, these ones in the top, they like sellers usually don't take offers that are drastically under the floor. So if the floor is one ETH and you send an offer for 0.5, uh, sorry, sorry, if the, if the floor is 0 0.4 and you send an offer for 0 0.2, Typically, they don't take it because there are more buyers for this one. So they're like, oh, I'm not going to take an offer at 0.2 because I know I can get a buyer at 0.4. But on these ones in the bottom, they're highly, highly liquid, right? So, for example, um, I don't know. If you want to get this card, you're really into this card. It's 18th. 
just realize this is not the price you have to pay, right? You can send an offer for 12 and maybe it's going to get accepted because the, the, the sellers know it's an illiquid card. It's an illiquid card. And if you take a look, it doesn't even have, uh, I mean, it just has one offer at four ETH, but obviously it's not going to get accepted, right? So it's just drastically under the floor, but you can send an offer for seven ETH, eight ETH. So, uh, keep that in mind. And, and look, by me telling you this, in a way I could get affected because people start sending offers and, you know, I have cards in this collection and everything, but I just don't care because I know that this, these collections will be valuable regardless in the long term. It's just way too significant. Historical NFTs for me is a category. It doesn't matter like if you fought them, if this and that. People, people like to collect history. End of conversation. Realms of Ether is one I really like, but the truth is that, for example, this, this one to 17.5 ETH, right? 17.5. It doesn't mean that there's enough buyers or liquidity to sustain that price. So it drastically dropped to eight and that's fine, right? I'm a long-term holder on this one. I think it's a great, great collection. I think it's extremely scarce. Um, it has a strong community. I think this is, this is going to be worth a lot in the future, in my opinion. But keep this in mind. If, if you take a look at the activity, it's very, uh, illiquid also. A sale three days ago, three days ago, four days ago, five days ago, uh, 15 days ago, right? So, you know, there's not hundreds of sales a day. So, you know, you can just be patient, take a week, two weeks to send offers and get this at 16th, 5th, right? So, just keep that in mind. And when you do that as a, you know, as a beginner getting your first NFT, you minimize risk because it, it, the drop, the floor can drop and you're still in profit. Okay. Um, and you maximize upside because if you get a better price, then if it goes up, you make more ETH. So this is also, uh, this is a great collection. Curio cards. I love these two. I think these are great, right? But, but honestly, in times of when there is, uh, in a, in times of uh, an illiquid market where people are just not buying a lot, you can be patient and just send offers, send an offer to this. Two rows, offer six, right? Offer five, and someone might take it or may, they might not, but you just keep trying. Um, and then uh, there's so many, like also for CryptoPunks, right? Uh, CryptoPunks, like they are uh, in terms of volume. So total value of all sales, $2 billion. Obviously <laughs> there has been liquidity. But you take a look at the number of sales per day. That's an important metric. Number of sales per day. It's not very high. It's like four at this point. Sometimes it's like hundreds, right? But at this point, when it's boring, these are the best times to pick the best deals. So obviously, um, this is a pretty historical significant, uh, collection. I don't think it's going to zero. Pro most things could go to zero. I think this would be one of the last things to go to zero, uh, because of how significant and important it is. But look, if you like uh, a specific punk, for example, uh, let's look at, at one that is really cool. Like, let's say that you like um, something that's more expensive, like this guy, right? This guy is really good looking. It doesn't have tons of attributes. It, it has two, right? Two, two attributes. That's it. But it's very good looking, this guy. And it's uh, on sale for 99 ETH. But right now it's an illiquid time. There's not a lot of sales per day. This guy knows that he's going to be stuck on this listing for maybe some months, or weeks or months, right? It's already been like a month that I've seen this punk. So, um, yeah, actually offered, imagine, offered on January 28th. So it's been almost like a month. So what you do here is you take your time. Don't FOMO. 
it's illiquid. People want the money in times of, of illiquidity. So you can send an offer for 80, right? Might not get accepted, but who cares? It doesn't cost you anything to try. Or sometimes very little, right? If you don't, uh, like sometimes you have to pay a, a gas fee, but it's very, very, very small, right? It's worth it. So you can send an offer for 80 or 70, and if it, not, if it doesn't get accepted, maybe do 85, 86, 87. And, and then if you try all of these options, it doesn't get accepted, then you can decide to buy at current price, or you can just go and repeat on another one that you like. The point is, for historical NFTs, in illiquid times, take your time, take a good deal. It's going to be so worth it. It's not worth it to just FOMO in. Like, for example, uh, some, some people might say, hey, Sebastian, yeah, but you did um, ape into, for example, NFT worlds after it did like 100x. Because I, um, I saw it at one point, a 0.1, and I had to buy at 11th, right? 11th or so. So this is contradicting. But the thing is, the narrative is different, right? Play to earn, metaverse, this project is moving very fast. I just see it moving, 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 uh, in the next months, over the year. And the truth is that I believe, um, 11 was a good price. Uh, but I believe that it's that the narrative is so strong, the FOMO is so strong on people. And that the adoption will be so fast that for me, buying right now is, is a good time. Like I didn't even send offers. Actually, I bought and then the off, the floor went to like 18, right? Like one day later. So, and it's now like at 16 or I need to check. But anyways, it's different because historicals move slow, slow and steady. This is why I like to have historicals because I'm a, you know, long-term holder. I'm not here. I'm not, I'm not really doing the, the flipping game. Um, but even if you do the flipping game, mm, for example, this is a flip that you could make. It's a two ETH. You send an offer for one ETH. Then it gets accepted. Then you sell for 1.5. Now we have 1.5 ETH, not one. Then you can offer 1.5 for this one. And they accept it. And now you have, and you can sell now at two ETH. And now you have two ETH, not one. And then you work your way up till 10 ETH and flipping game, right? I don't really do that. Um, but that's another option. So guys, that's how I would buy historicals with patience, sending offers, taking advantage of illiquid markets, looking at things that have a strong story, narrative, significance, that way, you know, they're not going to zero. Most historical NFTs have a strong, uh, significance because they're so old. Um, and I don't know if I missed something, I'll let you know in future videos, but that's basically it. Uh, also keep in mind when this start running, I'm not saying they don't do their, their bull runs. They do have their bull runs. Obviously take a look at the activity here. For example, massive bull run. Just be very careful with this. Be very careful with this because in historicals, when they run extremely, extremely high and fast, usually they correct really hard as well. Okay. So just keep that in mind. Buying times of liquidity here, 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 here. And in this time send offer that way it's cheap. The floor is down and you get them even under the floor and you just accumulate and accumulate for the long term, accumulate and hold them. And that is the game for this, for this segment of historicals that I really, really like. I love historicals. I also like innovation and utility and new stuff. Um, so guys, that's it. If you like this training, let me know, uh, share with a friend. I would really appreciate it. And if you want to learn more, um, and if you want to be in communities of like-minded people where we share ideas, we get on calls, we mastermind, 
go to cryptolaunch.com cryptolaunch.com and um and yeah and schedule a call uh, with one of our team members so thanks for uh being on this training and i'll see you in the next one